This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist their clients with the interpretation of their research results, but the architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. You can download the latest edition of their work at destinationanalysts.com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is Jennifer Bowen. Jennifer is the Vice President of Destination Development and Community Engagement with Destination Augusta. In her role with Destination Augusta, Jen led the creation of Destination Blueprint, a strategy to enhance Augusta's quality of place. She led the team to create Augusta & Company, Augusta's award-winning experience center. She manages Augusta's wayfinding system and leads the community engagement team. She also led the creation of the Soul Starts Here James Brown Journey Sidewalk and Digital Tour in 2020. Jennifer also serves as film liaison with Film Augusta, which is a division of Destination Augusta and works to bring the film productions to the city by marketing Augusta to the film industry, making industry connections and by ensuring a smooth and easy process for filming once the production has landed in Augusta's River region. She's a graduate of Georgia Southern University with a BA degree in communications, and Jen is a graduate and former board member of Leadership Augusta and a graduate of the Georgia Academy for Economic Development's Regional Economic and Leadership Development Program. She's also a member of the Association of Film Commissioners International and Locations Manager Guild International as well. Jen is also an adjunct professor at Augusta University, where she teaches Introduction to Public Speaking. Jennifer Bowen, welcome to DMOU. Thanks, Bill. Whoever wrote that made me look really good. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, you have had a wonderful career at Destination Augusta. It's been way too long since I've been down there to see you all, but uh, the times that we've had a chance to work together, I've always uh, treasured those and valued those very much. You know, the Welcome Center, or as you call yours, the Experience Center, that whole concept continues to be an active conversation in our interactions with DMOs across the nation. And you've got a great story to tell with yours. And I think so many times we see people kind of throw up their hands and say, in this digital world, the days of a welcome center, an information center, a visitor center are passe. And in a lot of cases, we can't argue with them. But when we find the ones that work, like yours, we always say, you know, before you shut this down, you should talk to some of these people. So last time I was in Augusta, you were located in a historic building that also housed a museum, but it really wasn't producing great traffic and the impact that you thought it should. So for your first question, tell us how you determined it was time for a change with your visitor center. Yeah, Bill. So um, I really agree with all that you said and everything you said so far really was very important in our decision. So yeah, quick little history. First, uh, we changed our name this year. So I still want to say Augusta Convention and Visitors Bureau. So if I say that still, that's, you know, 18 years worth of habit that I just can't break. The Convention and Visitors Bureau was originally in a historic building called the Cotton Exchange. And it had a museum in it as well that the Augusta CVB actually ran. And all of our offices were located in this historic building. It was built in the 1800s. 
So it was a really cool building, but our administrative offices moved out and just left the traditional welcome center there. Uh, And then that building got to be too much for us to operate. So we moved out of that building and into what you're probably remembering at the Augusta Museum of History. And we moved into what had been their gift shop. And when we did that in around 2003-ish, it was supposed to be a temporary move. It was supposed to be that we were there for maybe about three years or so while we regrouped and found a different location. We wound up being in the space for 12 years, which is you know one of those things that you think, well, that's way longer than you should have. You should have moved earlier, but yeah. you know that's just how business sometimes operates. You do get comfortable in different things and And it's more successful maybe than you thought it was. Other things take priorities. That's exactly where we found ourselves. But then really in, you know, around 2016, 2017, we were really looking for a way to be in a more vibrant location. Not that our Museum of History is not doing well. It is, but it's a little bit off the beaten path. And so... We wanted to find a place where people could just walk up on us and not be intentional about finding us, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And honestly, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that that a high traffic location, those are the centers that work. Yes. That was really what we were just determined to, to try and find the right place to do that. So around that time was when we were also doing the research for Destination Blueprint, which you mentioned in my bio, which is a quality of place or tourism product development plan. And in some of those recommendations, it also was highly recommended that we find a very visible pedestrian friendly location to make this experience available to the public. So we really started out doing some research for what we had identified as our target market, which is at the time and and still is the millennial demographic. So we started doing some sort of ad hoc research. We went to our local Augusta University, some marketing classes, and we really surveyed those college students about why would they go to a visitor center and what would attract them to come into a visitor center. And the overwhelming feedback that we got was that they would not go to a visitor center or to what they thought or their perception of a traditional visitor center was. You know, the traditional word visitor center carried a real negative connotation to this demographic. And instead they said, well, we would go in there if we could find something in there that we wouldn't find elsewhere. We would go into an experience center If I could buy some kind of souvenir that was locally made, we don't want to keep buying things that are made out of the country. We want to buy something that we can only get in that destination. Ironically, they said we want we want to eat and drink in a place. If you can Mm -hmm. offer some kind of local cuisine or local beverages, then we'll be drawn in, in in that regard. And so then after doing some of that ad hoc anecdotal kind of research, we did some more formal research with the firm that we hired um, and did, you know, some surveys and some studies and all of that research really pointed to the same results, which is that it had to be experience driven. It had to be hyper local and it really had to have a flair to it that was very heavy, authentic of the destination. With the research data that you had in hand, and it, it, 
absolutely, it confirmed your concerns. Take us through the next steps. How did you identify a better location and what were the necessary changes in your approach that you needed to make? So we were armed with that information and then we had to start figuring out where we needed to be. So our staff at the time, myself, Trent Snyder, um, who's our VP of Finance and Administration, and our former president and CEO, Barry White, we really began to look very carefully at our downtown Augusta. Our offices were in downtown, but we weren't in the main drag of downtown. We were sort of off to the side just a little bit. And so we started just really looking very carefully at our main drag, which is called Broad Street, and identifying areas in the the downtown corridor that we knew to be very heavily pedestrian friendly and also in close proximity to our Augusta Convention Center where it would be walkable for our convention attendees and visitors of that type to see us and, and to find us. And after identifying, you know, our first choice spots, if you will, then we started really looking at real estate and different properties that were available to us. And at one point, we even thought about new construction. And so we went down a new construction path for a little while, and we hired a design firm that was very, very heavy in museum design, in curating and crafting museum exhibits. But the new construction didn't work out. And then we found the building that we have now where Augusta and Company is housed. And it is right in the middle of our Broad Street. It is a three-story building that is historic. It's over 100 years old. It had a beautiful glass retail looking sort of storefront to it. And our board of directors authorized us to buy the building. They were really ready for our organization to be property owners instead of continuing to lease. Very cool. Yeah, it was. It was great direction from our board of directors, and they were really catching the vision for the Experience Center as well. And also, you know, our organization's DMOs across the country we're almost invisible sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of our own advocacy efforts to make sure that the public knows that we are for the common good and that we are an asset for our community. So by putting our organization right in the middle of Broad Street, yes, it really helped our experience center, but it also helped our organization as a DMO to become more visible to our community. So most definitely there were wins on both sides of, you know, those efforts from our board of directors for sure. Yeah. So the location sounds fantastic and I can picture it in my head and I know that it, it works. Yeah. So that's one side and I, you're absolutely right. I think that visibility from a resident standpoint is just as important as visibility from a visitor standpoint. I remember a bureau a number of years ago that had moved their visitor center from downtown out to the interstate. And within a couple of years, they started feeling this ambivalence from the county board who was funding them. And they realized that they needed to bring the office back downtown in front of the courthouse so that the county board would see them every day and go, oh, yeah, you guys, I, I remember who you are because they'd forgotten when they were out at the interstate. But take us now into the more operational side of this new building right in the middle of downtown. Absolutely. So after going down this wrong route, 
with this company that was heavily involved in, you know, the creation of museums, we cut that tie and we said, we appreciate you. We know you do great work, but we know that's not where we need to go with, with all of this research in hand and what we know millennials are really hungry for, we got to go in a different direction. So we gave all of this research to the company that we ultimately selected, which is called Gensler. They are actually a, a worldwide company uh, specializing in design and architecture. And they had done some work in very high-end kind of corporate welcome centers. They had a little bit of that, but their really their expertise was in designing high-end retail stores and also in um, the restaurant business. And so we said, we know this has to be very authentic. We know we want to offer food and drink. We know we want the restaurant business, provide different experiences. And we know that we really want to sell locally made goods Mm -hmm. so that we can, again, attract the visitor and the customer to come in, but that also our local businesses can then see that we're working on their behalf, that it will eventually become a launching pad from Augusta and Company out back into our community. So the Augusta and Company is set up really to begin outside. Their outside of our store starts with what we call a gracious welcome. And so right outside on the sidewalk of Broad Street, we have a big um, circular green graphic that says, come on in y'all. And we have a beautiful bench with some seasonal kind of ferns or seasonal flowers to welcome people and also a piece of public art. Originally, the design called for something kind of golf related because Augusta is certainly known for the Masters Golf Tournament, but it turned into actually being a public art piano that is painted with artists from Augusta who have made it to celebrity status. So people walk up to the piano, they play it, they hang out around it, they take their pictures with it, and that begins the experience at Augusta and Company, which actually starts outside. Then once inside, the front section of our space starts with what we call our Augusta Market So everything that's in the very front of our store is designed to be a marketplace where we are selling and telling the story of locally made goods, handcrafted gifts. We call them also Southern goods and things that you can eat and drink. And it is, again, from the region. Unlike in past times and traditional approaches, it's not just proper to the city of Augusta, but instead... We are really telling the story of Augusta's River Region, which is actually over two states because Georgia and South Carolina border one another right here in Augusta. And then also we have an Augusta expert. That's what we call our staff down there, the Augusta experts. And our Augusta experts are at a long white counter right there. So immediately you can come in and you can actually take a seat Um, at the counter with some bar stools where you can sit and chat with an Augusta expert, or there could be a pop-up shop going on right there. So that's where we invite the community to come in and bring their different products or services 
and tell a customer, a visitor, or a local about what's going on. So we've had everything there from a cupcakes to apparel to we've had specialty cocktails made there with alcohol that is made here in Augusta or a cocktail mix that's made here and a specialty cocktail class right there at our our pop-up shop. And then as you move further into the Experience Center, you come to the middle of our space where it's intentionally designed to have on each side, the right and the left, a what we call a vignette. And in the vignette, there are flat screen monitors that are on the wall. And we pick a theme quarterly to tell the story about Augusta activities. So we tell an Augusta history story for a few months, and that space is propped up by our local attractions who bring in something that can be interactive for the visitor to take part in. I'll give you a quick example. We have a dime museum back from the olden (laughs) days, you know, um, a throwback to where you could pay a dime and go inside and see a bunch of curiosities and oddities. Um, We have one in Augusta that's been around for probably three or four years And that guy, Peter, brings in a shrunken head and some other weird things that are props. But those props then give our Augusta experts the ability to interact with the customer and to say, this is what this is. This is why we have it. And you can go down the street a few blocks and go in it. Or and then, you know, back to our traditional attractions, our Augusta Museum of History has brought in different rotating types exhibits and each prop is really designed for us to spark a conversation, have a dialogue so that we can tell people about what to do as they are interested. Um, And so then on the other side, if if it's history on one side, it might be food on the other. And if it's food on the other side, then it's the same kind of concept. And on the flat screen monitors, we are using generated content by a company called CrowdRiff. A lot of your listeners will know that, which is... You know, really seeing images of each of those themes so that people can see themselves in those images and experiencing those things. And then you go back past those vignettes and you come to an area that we now just call the Augusta shop. And that area is more traditional souvenirs. It will say Augusta in some way. Each of our things, though, we're still trying to source locally. We're trying to keep all of the the money that we spend to buy products here in our local community. So we're, you know, using a local t-shirt maker, a screen, I know somebody who does screen printing, people that do specialty products. We're looking at all of them locally to do those things that are a little more souvenir-like. And then also we have a community takeover table in that space where we're encouraging our partners to come and do you know, little workshops where people can organically walk up to the table and hear that information. It also is a place where we encourage people just to hang out if they want to. So if people are doing business in our downtown and are in between appointments, they can come in just like a coffee cafe, hang out with us and uh, be at that community takeover table. And then finally, we have an art gallery. (laughs) And so the Augusta Art Gallery is another place where we are showcasing, you know, the artistic community in Augusta. uh, And we partner with our Greater Augusta Arts Council, who really does the installations for us. So when it's not a pandemic, we would have, you know, wine and cheese and art installations, meet the artist, live painting, 
those were the kinds of fantastic events we had in 2019, which was our inaugural year. I love the fact that you're sourcing Augustan products and artists and makers. But here's a follow-up question. I have heard from some people that the visitor center is being viewed by local retailers as competition. How do you get around that? Well, absolutely. We In 2019, we had one of those meetings, actually, where our retailers came to us and said, we do feel like we're in direct competition. And so we had to really take a step back and listen very carefully to that constructive criticism and think about it from their lens. Um, and so we did actually make some adjustments. For instance, there's a locally owned book company, Book Tavern, that's the name of it, down the street. The owner of that was one of the people that said, you know, you're in selling some of these books, you're in direct competition with me. So we looked carefully at what could we do to change that. And we agreed that we would only sell books that were tourism or travel related. Anything else, we would certainly send customers to the Book Tavern. Also, it is not our primary mission to sell, but rather to to have those goods so that we can then tell people about, you know, yes, you can buy this here, but you can go down three or four blocks. You can have this experience yourself. And so to try to use that really as a, a launching pad and platform. And there was another little piece about the way that we were using our social media. In the beginning, we were really putting posts out that were very product driven. Uh, and I feel like that's where we were hearing some of that criticism from. So we changed our approach to be more about the experience that you could have instead of about the product. So I think there absolutely is a balancing act there and um, something that you have to, to figure out what works best for your community. Yeah, but you obviously did. So 2019 was when you opened, of course, then 2020 Everything goes to hell. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, and this is your third question, tell us about the results. Because even in a pandemic-fueled environment, you guys are just knocking it out of the park. So I'd love to hear the results of what you've done pre and post-pandemic and any recommendations that you have for others that are listening in that are thinking, wow, we could do this too. Great questions. So um, in 2019, we took a look at some of those numbers. In 2019, we saw just under 35,000 visitors, guests come into Augusta and Company. Wow. Yeah. And so, and that compared to where we had been in this traditional visitor center, it was more than double what we had seen as far as visitation where we had been before. And then, of course, 2020 was, you know, just like it was everywhere else. It was just really people were not coming in and we just, you know, we hardly even want to count that year. But 2021 certainly has seen, you know, an increase. Um, We're not quite back to the 35,000 that we had, but I think we are somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 28 or 30,000 for visitation this year. Still good. Yeah, still very good. And we did this year, the day, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, you know, you just mentioned our retail community. This is another way that you can play a role in your retail community and not be a competitor is we did join with a group of businesses who wanted to put on a shop small 
um, shop local Saturday efforts on Saturday after Thanksgiving. And so while Augusta and Company is not a locally owned business because it is a part of our you know, nonprofit status, we were part of the heavy promotion of that event. And we served as a headquarters for that promotion, meaning that we did some investment in putting together a my community engagement manager or director of community engagement, Sarah Childers, did all this. I'm going to make sure she gets the credit. But we did put a little bit of investment into a specialty tote bag. Um, and the first 200 people could come in and get this tote bag and then go out to the 12 different partners. Well, I'm saying all this to say it was a great promotion, you know, for our retail partners and stakeholders. But it did wind up being our highest grossing sales day of all time. Wow. So even better than 2019, the Saturday of 2021. And it was exponential visitation that day. We did more in that one day than we normally do in an average month as far as people coming in. So it's had a huge impact on our community and our organization. Yeah. And so recommendations that you would have for others. I mean, what are some of the things that you didn't see coming that you would tell somebody, hey, make sure you take a look at this or grab this opportunity or don't do that. Anything out there that surprised you during your journey? I definitely think that the research, you know, was a critical component. Hearing exactly what would draw in um, that demographic was very helpful. I think, you know, earlier on, sometime I told you, Bill, that we do sort of trick people into coming in just a little bit because we don't look like that traditional visitor center. People come in expecting to just shop, but we use that opportunity to say, hey, are you a local or are you visiting with us? And then that conversation leads us to the opportunity to offer whatever information that we can. Very smart. So while we find that extremely beneficial, there's a slight downside to it in that we specifically chose the name Augusta and Company instead of calling it a visitor center because of all that research we've talked a lot about. And because it means, you know, bring your company, that's a sort of Southern saying, y'all bring your company over and come and see us. And it's a company of just more than just us. But we find that we are sometimes people do not make the connection that we're actually a nonprofit and that our main mission is to tell information. So there's, there is that we're kind of constantly still figuring that out. That's why now we, when we use the name, we say Augusta and company, Augustus experience center, we sort of added that a little bit later so that we could try to convey to the true visitors and also to locals that they are going to get more than just a retail shop here. Yeah, Sensational. Well, it's time for your bonus round question, and almost everybody has a story about that time that they bumped into somebody famous. Your close encounter was with one of Hollywood's biggest stars. So tell us about your time with Clint Eastwood. With Clint Eastwood. So because <laughs> I, uh, I do have this role as film liaison at Film Augusta, the state of Georgia is just an incredible place to actually film and have film productions because of some state tax credits. Yeah. And so because of that, Augusta also is a great place to come in and film and to do productions. And so back in 2018, the movie The Mule, which Clint Eastwood produced, <laughs> starred in, and directed, came to Augusta and it had about eight different locations in Augusta that it was using um, for part of the movie. 
And so I'm not usually one of those people that's very starstruck, but Clint Eastwood is a guy you can't miss, right? I mean, he is true Hollywood. He's iconic. He's amazing. So I was able to visit set one day. And again, because Augusta is not huge in, in film production, but we are really gaining, it's still kind of a novelty here in town. And so our local media was acting like paparazzi. I mean, they would not leave Clint Eastwood alone. They were just tracking him down everywhere. They were around every corner trying to get a glimpse of him. It really was almost embarrassing to, in truth. So I, I get this chance to meet Clint Eastwood and I'm saying hello to him. He's being very gracious and something comes up about the local media and the way that they're just, you know, hounding him. And so I apologized. I said, you know, I am so sorry. It's, you know, they're just so excited that you're here. We're really excited. You are too. And, and you know, I guess it's just really big news. Well, it happened to be during 2018. It was the summer. It was June. And this is the line that I will remember from Clint Eastwood forever, which was, well, it's not like Trump's not meeting with Kim Jong-un today or anything. (laughs) So there was just this, I don't know, it was just like, you're right. There's huge things going on in the world. But but Clint Eastwood is in town and that's all that matters. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that you took care of him and hopefully got the media to calm down a little bit because you're right. I mean, that's one of the things that I think they appreciate most from an approach from a DMO film commission perspective is we understand they got their work to do. In many cases, we have to run interference on their behalf. Yeah, you are absolutely right. We have to run interference a lot. (laughs) And not just for film, but, you know, even convention meeting planners, they feel that way. It's not necessarily the media sometimes, but yeah, that's what we're here to do is to help the visitor, the film production, whoever is here, be our guest and enjoy their time. Well, Jen, congratulations on all that you do to make Augusta so much more than the Masters. Augusta and Company, an experience center. This is the kind of story that we love to tell because I think it just gets people out of their comfort zone. And the comfort zone for many of us right now is let's just shut it down. And I think COVID gave a lot of people the ammunition to say, well, nobody's coming because of the pandemic. So we're just going to shut it down and maybe we won't reopen it. Right. Right. And I think that there's something here, what you've done with the experience center, I think speaks volumes to there is a greater role out there. And so congratulations for all you do and for sharing the ideas that we can all use to make our visitor center or experience center so much more than than they really are today. Well, thank you so much for letting us share our story. We are really proud of it and we want everyone to have the same success. So hope that you'll find a nugget or two and apply it where it makes the most sense. Great. Well, I can't wait to get back down. It's been way too long and we hope to see you real soon. So that's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destinations Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for reliability, affordability, and transparency. You can download the latest edition of their research at Destination Analysts. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, our book destination leadership, our position papers on community development and board diversity, our blog, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. 
Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.